Amen. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Brian, and uh, really, truly honored to be able to o- open God's word with you this morning. I hope you all had a, a great Christmas. Uh, mine started at 5.01 a.m. with a knock on the door. Son came in, uh, said, Dad, it's 5 o'clock. Time for Christmas. Um, buddy, we, we agreed on 5.30, and okay, okay, okay. So he goes back to his room and no doubt, I have no proof of this, but no doubt sat on his bed staring at his clock for 30 minutes because at 5.30 on the dot, which in case you're wondering, is just enough time to fall back into a really deep sleep. Uh, my uh, two middle boys uh, came in and serenaded my wife and I with jingle bells at the top of their lungs at 5.30. So uh, it was a really, really good morning. Uh, continued on through the rest of the day, got to spend time with family. I hope that's true of you guys as well, that you had a great uh, Christmas. You know, we've uh, been looking at the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's what the Advent season is all about. We look forward to celebrating Jesus Christ's incarnation, that God was made flesh. Uh, It's an incredible truth and uh, really unique in all of human history. And then uh, if you're anything like me, around 3 o'clock yesterday, uh, the lull starts to hit. 5 a.m. becomes, it's like midnight at this point, you know, Uh, and the Uh, presents have been unwrapped, the lunch has been eaten, and now it's time to try to figure out how to fit all the wrapping paper in the trash can, which is already overflowing. And I'm starting to think about, okay, what, do we have any food left for dinner? Uh, What's tomorrow? What even day is it? When do I go back to work, right? Like the the big overwhelming wave of focus on Advent, eh, about yesterday afternoon was like, okay, when is it New Year again? start to turn the page. And uh, so as we open up God's word this morning, we want to kind of focus on what does faith look like the rest of the year? We've spent a lot of time this past month in uh, Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and in Luke chapter 1 and 2, the Advent season, the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2. We've been spending a lot of time looking at the first days of Jesus' life. And this morning, we're going to look at the first days of Jesus' ministry. We can read that together. Mark chapter 2, actually starting in Mark 1, 45. Jesus has just done a miracle. He's cleansed a leper of his disease, and it says this, uh, but he went out, that's the leper, and began to talk freely about it, that's his healing, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. News is spreading. The rumor is going out. There's a man who heals. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, where we're going to camp out today. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. That's Jesus Christ. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned him within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? What is easier to say? 
to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. This is a story about faith. A story about a relentless faith, a gritty faith, a faith that doesn't give up. We're going to focus on the faith of these five men. And we're going to see what Jesus does. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word and we see who you are, we see how you've acted, we see the faith that is commendable. Lord, help us to wrestle with this in our own lives. Help us to see you clearly in these pages and to respond to who you are, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to just kind of dive in and walk it through. And if you look at uh, verse 1, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. It was reported. The rumors going out. People want to hear what Jesus has to say. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, even at the door. Can you imagine this? A uh, kind of a standard Middle Eastern house with, you know, four block walls, maybe a staircase on the outside. And uh, early in the morning, Jesus gets up. Maybe he gets a knock on his door at 5 a.m. And somebody's like, hey, Jesus, will you teach us? So he begins to teach. As the sun uh, gets higher in the sky, there's more and more people getting packed into the house and says there was no, uh, no room, not even at the door. <laughs> Imagine being the last guy in. He's like standing up against the door. People keep trying to push in. He's getting shoved. And he's like, stop it. People walking past going, what's happening in there? There's a big crowd. Is that, is that Jesus? Has he healed anybody? Is he teaching? What's he saying? Packed house. Verse 3, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. That's the focus of our study this morning. This is the faith, the faith of the five men, the paralytic and their, his four friends. The faith that we want to reflect on, the faith that we want to wrestle with, and the faith that we ultimately want to emulate. And it is a relentless faith. We see it right here. Number one, relentless faith takes action. So we don't get to know much about these guys. Mark leaves them unnamed. I'm sure they had names. We just don't get to know what they are. But we do know one thing, that they took action. And Jesus is eventually going to commend them for their faith. I just want to make a few observations from the narrative. Uh, and the first is this. Uh, they saw someone in need. We don't know if they were longtime friends, if they just met, but uh, they observed that there was a man in their midst, a paralytic, who had a need. And it looked the other way. They weren't self-involved. They didn't ignore it. They saw a person in need. The second thing I want you to notice is that they disrupted their plans. See, uh, this wasn't like a pre-scheduled doctor visit, right? Jesus didn't send out tour dates. They heard a rumor, Jesus is in this house, 
okay, today's the day. I don't know, doesn't matter what else I had planned. This is the day we got to go. Disrupted their plans, whatever they had going on to spring into action because, in the third observation, they knew they just had to get this man to Jesus. See, it wasn't enough for them to know that Jesus could heal the paralytic. They knew that they had to get the man to Jesus. And the fourth thing I want you to see here, they put in the work. They picked this man up and they carried him. Now, it doesn't say how far, but best guess, this wasn't next door. And I don't know if you've ever tried to carry a guy. That's hard work. Through the streets. And they were commended for their faith. This is work glove kind of faith. I think sometimes we uh, can get a little confused about what faith is and what faith isn't. And when you see the faith of these four men, you see this is work glove kind of faith. It's faith that springs into action. Faith that believes that Jesus can heal, but understands that we take an active role in that work. Faith that does all it can do, but trusts that the most important work is done by God. It's work glove faith, faith that isn't lazy. On the contrary, I think sometimes I know I fall into this and maybe you're uh, in that boat sometimes, we, we fall into this idea of white glove faith. See, work glove faith is that kind where you put on the gloves and you go, okay, I have a role in this. My faith is active, it ought to be lived out. I ought to serve others with my faith, take them to Jesus Christ. Whereas white glove faith is that idea of uh, this faith exists to serve me. That I believe all the right things. I've come to Jesus Christ. And so now it's my turn to receive. That's not the faith that Jesus Christ has commended. It's not the example of the men here. The example of the men here is faith in action, a faith that serves. Which is a better descriptor of your faith? Can I tell you my absolute favorite part of this so far? This all hinges on a perhaps There was no contract that Jesus had written up with these four guys. He said, hey, if you get the paralytic to me, what's going to happen is he's going to get healed. All these guys know is that Jesus Christ is someone who heals. Jesus Christ is a healer. They put in all this work on a maybe. That's faith. And here's why. Even when I don't know the outcome, I know the one who controls the outcome, and that's enough to act. Acting in faith isn't contingent upon a promised outcome. If I knew what was going to happen before I stepped out in faith, it wouldn't be faith, it would be certainty. But for these guys, it's faith. If we can just get this guy in front of Jesus, good things are going to happen. Because Jesus is one who heals. 
I want to go back to those four observations. I want you to uh, evaluate your faith. Where have you maybe avoided the need? As you're going about your day, you come across somebody who has a need. Who needs the healing that Jesus Christ brings. Jesus can heal, man. Where have you been too busy? Unwilling to disrupt your plans. Not enough margin in your life. I would love to see Jesus heal that guy. I hope he does. But I, I got something else that I got to take care of today. Where have you lost focus on Jesus Christ? Where have you been lazy in your faith? I want to say something that's a little uncomfortable for me to even say. I, sometimes I think we say, I'll pray for you because we don't actually want to have to do anything. And this is in no way am I trying to decrease the, the power and the importance and the passion that we have for prayer. We recognize Jesus is the healer. But there's so many times that we say, I'll pray for you as a way that we can feel like we've cared. Pray passionately for the people in your life that have a need, but ask yourself if God is asking you to be a part of the solution. That's the faith that is commended. Now they step out in faith, but it's not all gonna go real smoothly. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I step out in faith and then I hit, uh, hit a snag. It's not what I expected. Verse four, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, listen, if uh, you're asking a friend to recount his day and he's like, hey, man, we carried this guy to Jesus. We got to the, to, the, to the house and it was really crowded. And so we opened up a hole in the roof. That's exactly where you would be like, wait, what? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to hear more about that. Well, yeah, yeah, we opened up a hole in the roof and then we, we lowered the guy down. You're thinking. This is where the relentless part comes in. Number two, relentless faith overcomes obstacles. See, this standard kind of normal Middle Eastern house, right, would have had those four block walls, may have had a stairway around the outside, and, and the roof, the way that the roofs were back then, it was these like big wooden beams that would have gone over the opening, and then they would have put like big tiles down over those so they crossed the beams and things like that, and then you patch that all over with mud, and then you put grass and other types of things in there. Maybe there's a little slant to keep the water out, 
And so these guys, they, they get to the house and they realize, man, it's crowded. There's no way I can get this paralytic guy through the, through the winding, you know, to, to get him to Jesus. So the only solution here is that we got to go up top. So they get to the top, they carry him up. And I'm trying to imagine, man, it's hard enough to carry a guy down the street. You're not going to carry him up the stairs. Okay. So you get there and, and they start digging. They put on that work glove faith and they start digging into the mud and they're moving the grass and the leaves and all that other stuff. And they get the tile. Okay, we're going to very carefully set this over here because it's not my house. And, and then they lower the guy down to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the teamwork involved in that? Like you don't want one guy going too fast because when that happens, people roll and that's not good. Imagine the sweat, blisters on their hands. These guys did anything they could do to get their friend to Jesus Christ. Nothing was going to stop them. They tore through barriers to get him to Jesus. They tore through a physical barrier in the roof. They tore through social barriers. It was someone else's roof. They tore through cultural barriers. They interrupted a rabbi while he was teaching. They got rid of everything they could. That was their hard work. And yet Jesus did the miracle. That part was beyond their control. The physical and the spiritual is well beyond their control and it's well beyond ours, but they did whatever it took to get that guy to Jesus. Now, can you imagine how sad it would have been they got to the house, saw that it was crowded. Sorry, man. Looks like maybe it's not going to be today. I mean, I would say they went above and beyond. But imagine if they had stopped at the crowded front door. Missed opportunity for healing, heartbreak of the paralytic man. Imagine the missed opportunity for the glory and worship of Jesus Christ just because they gave up too soon. We give up too soon. When I wanna see growth in my life, but it doesn't happen immediately. How quickly do I, well, I tried. When the growth, <laughs> I realized, oh, that's gonna, that's gonna cost me. Yeah, that's not worth it. When marriage gets hard, when it's not everything I expected it to be, I guess it's just how it is now. When I meet with a friend, I'm trying to disciple, and he's the same guy as he was last week. He's never going to change. When I try to share the gospel, and it doesn't go real well the first time, or the second time, or the third time. How quickly do we come to that place where we say, well, it's just a closed door? And I know this is not some equation where, oh, okay, it's closed, it's not. So. 
But there are times when we say it's a closed door and it's really only because we just haven't tried very hard to open it. And we never see the miracle because we didn't stay on it long enough. Meanwhile, Jesus is in the house just waiting. I know there are some of us in this congregation, some of us in church today that have given up too soon. And it's time to try again. It's time to remember that Jesus heals. And try again. And it's time for another try, not because we're celebrating the faith. Be like these guys. It's time to try again because we see God act. Number three, relentless faith experiences God's power. Verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, it's the, the faith of the five, what he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. That is the man's greatest need and completely unexpected. That's not why the four guys brought the paralytic to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? <laughs> they just lowered the guy down. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, which is objectively incredible. Is that, does that mean I gotta pull him up? Is that, thanks Jesus, but See, they came to him with a want. And we would all say that is a really good want. But Jesus met his greatest need. Sometimes there's a gap. There's a gap between, Lord, this is what I want you to do and this is what you're doing and I don't always understand what's happening in that gap and we have to assume that God isn't working when he doesn't immediately do what we want him to do. They were focused on his circumstances. But Jesus, in this whole passage, is focused on the heart. Son, your sins are forgiven. Lord, sell my house, give me a spouse, heal my disease, give me a job. All of those are worthy prayers. None of us would argue those are not important. But Jesus makes it clear that that's not the most important. He cares about your heart. And he cares about your faith in the middle of that gap. I know some of you have been praying and begging God to move for a long time. And you're living in that gap. And the reality is some of us will live in that gap for the entirety of our lives until he calls us home and we see him face to face. God cares about your heart in the middle of all of that. 
So if you've been praying that the Lord would do something for a really, really long time, stay on it, be persistent. But just for a second, take your eyes off the circumstances and ask, Lord, what are you doing in my soul as I wait? So Jesus rewards their faith, though not in the way that they initially expected. And as we continue here in verse 6, we're going to see that there are some people in the crowd that did not like it. Verse 6, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. The scribes were the experts in the law. Can you just see it? They're sitting there. Lean back questioning in their hearts, not engaged, experts disagreeing, rolling their eyes, well, that's not how I would teach it. Some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Verse seven, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone. Now, true statement or false statement? That's a true statement. No one can forgive sins but God alone. Correct. Exactly. Either this man, Jesus Christ, is God or he's blaspheming. That is the correct analysis. But man, they lacked faith. They saw him with their eyes, but they didn't recognize him. And they didn't come to the right conclusion. The conclusion they came to was... He's blaspheming. The correct conclusion is this man is God. Verse 8, and immediately Jesus, I love that, he didn't wait. He was immediately, immediately Jesus, perceiving in his heart, in his spirit, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? See, Jesus sees the hearts of everyone. That's what he cares about. Immediately perceiving, why do you question these things in your hearts? Verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Now, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. You can say that all you want. That means it's true. So Jesus which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Why did Jesus do the miracle? Jesus did the miracle of healing the man's physical body so that he would prove, he put an exclamation point on the fact that this man is God. Jesus Christ has the ability on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Verse 12, and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it anything like this immediate obedience this guy got lowered down through a ceiling 
by four friends as a paralytic. Because of his faith, Jesus Christ does the miracle, forgives him of his sins, heals him, and he straight up walks out the front door. Only God can do that. And what's the result? And all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. See, miracles flow in the direction of faith, and where God's power flows, worship follows. We can look at the first uh, you know, handful of verses and, and see that these men were commended for their faith. And so we ought to have a faith that is commendable in the same way. But the men and even the paralytic, they're not the focus of this story. It's Jesus Christ. When I first studied this many years ago, I, I scribbled down in the margins, I was the paralytic. I am the friend, but I will never be the healer. And if I'm honest, there are times when I still am the paralytic, desperately in need of the healing that only Jesus Christ can bring. And there are times when I am so gratefully helped by the love and service of faithful friends. But it's Jesus Christ who heals. He's the one who gets the glory for the miracle. You know, as we look at this, I think that there are probably four groups of people among us today. And the first is those of us who desperately need the healing that only Jesus Christ can bring. So you think about the circumstances of your life, whether it's uh, physical, uh, relational, or spiritual. There's a deep and felt experienced need for the healing of Jesus Christ. Jesus heals. There are those among us that need to try again. We've given up too easily. We've given up too quickly. We've wandered away from Jesus Christ. We've stopped putting in the work on our marriage. We've stopped discipling our kids. We've stopped following Jesus Christ. We've given up hope that he's gonna ever do what he said he was gonna do. It's time to try again. Jesus Christ heals. There are some of us here that, that need to pick up our corner. That God has placed someone in your path that needs Jesus Christ. There are those of us in the room who are skeptics. You look at Jesus and you go, will he? And I'm not so sure. You know who Jesus is. There's not a lot of faith there. See Jesus for who he is. A loving savior who meets the deepest of our spiritual needs. 
As you look at the week ahead, the year ahead, as the page flips to 2022 in the calendar, let this be a year that we dig through the roof, that we do whatever it takes to get to Jesus and we will see him move. Let's pray. God, we glorify you. We can't, we can't do miracles. We can't heal anybody. You can, you have, and you will. God, I pray that we would wrestle with our response to this passage. Rightly convict us by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that we would have story after story after story of faith that gets to work, of miracles performed by only the one who can perform miracles. And Lord, that there would be stories in our midst that say we have never seen anything like this. That you would get the glory. The name above every name is name of Jesus Christ.